I want to speak to you on the subject of, are you the real deal? Are you the real deal? On September the 11th, there's no question about it. When the Twin Towers were blown up by two flying airplanes, airliners, those people that were in those buildings... It's hard to even imagine what they went through. But there's one thing I'll say. They definitely went through and now living in the real thing. They faced a real deal. And so often I believe that you and I, we get so comfortable in just everyday Whatever we do, we get so, we don't, sometimes we're not challenged. We don't challenge ourselves spiritually. We don't challenge ourselves and ask certain questions. And so sometimes I think we end up a bit on the mundane side. And, and so I know in October the 9th through the 12th, we're going to have a revival here. And we're going to have October the 5th, we're going to have all, I'm going to call anybody and everybody that would come in here on a Wednesday night. We're just going to pray that evening for our revival. Do I expect anything from God during that week? Yes, I do. Do I think this church needs it? I think everybody in this church needs a spiritual renewal. What does that mean? That means you and I brought back to our first love. I brought back to where we seek God. And where we seek his spiritual will for our lives. I've asked a few friends in this uh, church a question. And I didn't ask everybody, but I think it's important. If you were to put down uh, on the top ten or a list and number them one to ten on what you think is the most or a spiritual question you really need answered. I mean, you want God to come in on. What would it be? Uh, sometimes we don't even think about those things. We just get, we're just running on automatic. Well, Jesus, he, he, he taught that about being the real deal in Matthew 6. He said in verse 1, take care. Do not do your good deeds publicly to be admired because then you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give a gift to someone in need, don't shout about it as the hypocrites do. Blowing your trumpets in the synagogues and streets, calling attention to the acts of charity. I assure you, they have already received the, the only reward they'll ever get. But when you give, someone, give to someone, don't tell your left hand what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in secret, and your Father, who knows all secrets, will reward you. And now about prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you that is all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself and shut the door behind you. And pray to your father secretly. 
Then your Father, who knows all secrets, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on as and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answers only by repeating their words again and again and again until you finally get it. Was what I was told. Don't be like them. Because your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Verse 16. And when you fast. Don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. Who try to look pale and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I assure you that this is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one, no one will suspect that you're fasting except your father who knows and, who, and, and he knows what you do in secret. And your father who knows all secrets will reward you accordingly. Do we need a real deal revival? I believe we do. I believe we need to get back to the real deal stuff. And the real deal stuff is the things that God's Word teaches about, warns us about. And on Wednesday night, we've been studying about Bible prophecy, and sometimes that messes with people. Well, you know, (laughs) uh, one particular it messed with, and he was sharing with me, and I got to thinking about what happens if all of a sudden the Lord brought you in and let you dream the rapture. Now, hopefully you ain't stoned when that happens, but let's just say All of a sudden, God lets you dream the rapture. And at the end of the rapture, he looks at you, and here's what he says. Are you for real? Are you the real deal? Do you really believe me and in me? And my father. That woke one person up in our church. But you know what? Jesus did. If you look over in chapter 7. Get into some stuff that. It was just that. That deep. Look at it. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 21. Now I'm just saying. I'm just soundboarding this morning. Jesus. It's going to say, you may hear some weird stuff, but you're going to hear what Jesus taught. Not all people who sound religious are really godly. They may refer to me as Lord, but they still won't ever enter the kingdom of heaven. The, desi- the decisive issue is whether they obey my Father in heaven. On Judgment Day, by the way, there's two judgments. We're studying those, the judgment seat of Christ and the white throne judgment. On the Judgment Day, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, 
Have we not? And he gives three descriptive things. Now, understand, when it comes to things that happen to our lives outside of getting saved, being baptized, playing ball, working in food ministry, singing in the choir, the Bible mixes in a bunch of things, and he talks about it in the Word, about spiritual gifts that's given to us. That's found in 1 Corinthians, the book of Romans, and chapter of Ephesians. I mean, chapter of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. Well, one of the things that he mentions, if I were to put something on the list that I might ask about, has to do with the gift of prophecy. Mike, do you have that? I only have one definition of that. There is one definition of the gift of prophecy that says that you have the, the, the divine gift to declare biblical interpretation, biblical revelation, biblical exposition. That's what God's called me to do. The other side of that is called being able, and it is a spiritual gift. I don't think everybody has it. And that is to sit down and look at me and say, Mike, I'm looking into your life and I realize that this is going to happen to you April the 9th, 19, or year 2018. I don't have that. I don't have it. I've never even asked for it. Do, do people have that gift? Yes, they do. Are they all 100% accurate? No, they're not. No more than when I stand and preach... Am I 100% accurate every time I expose truth? Sometimes I don't expose it right. And God has taught me in that in the earlier days and through, and through that some things I was preaching and declaring as truth was not truth at all. Matter of fact, it, it was just an opinion. So, then he says, by the way, this is what blows me away. The one that prophesies is lost. They they don't know Jesus. And Jesus said in in the King James Version, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. What did he say? I never what? Knew you. The second thing that you could have put down on the list would be casting out demons. Mike, have you ever been involved in casting out demons? Yes. Sure have. Anybody's had kids knows all about demon activity. But I, you know, I look at what Jesus did. First thing, Jesus knew that when you cast out demons, you just don't cast them out. They got to go somewhere. And you better know what you're doing. When you cast out demons, you better cast them what is called dry places. Jesus cast them out. If you remember in, in, in the book of the New, or Matthew, I think it was, he cast them in what? Pigs. Isn't it amazing those pigs had better sense than we do? They went and killed themselves because they didn't want that foreign evil substance in their life. Jesus made it very plain, and let me say this because I want you all to understand this in the church. Some of you don't think this stuff. Some of you are not interjected to this stuff, and I, and I just want you to know this is biblical stuff, but, but I want you to understand if you believe in Jesus, you have to believe in demons. You don't have a choice. 
if you believe in demons, then you shouldn't have any trouble whatsoever believing in Jesus. But remember what Jesus said about this. I never knew you. So these guys were able to cast out demons. They were able to uh, do these works of the Spirit by prophesying, and they were lost. Now, does that mean everybody that cast out demons and everybody that prophesies lost? That's not what I'm saying. So don't twist my words. The third thing he says, <clears throat> when you come to it, as he talks about, that they were not the real deal when it came to performing many, many powerful and uh, miracles in the name of Jesus. You say, well, Mike, if somebody can cast out demons, they ought to be saved. Not true. Not true at all. Just because you can do that don't mean you're saved. You say, well, how do, how, how do you deal with that in the, in the whole context of the Bible? Well, what did Moses do when he had all these things that God told him to do to go get the children of Israel? And the sorcerers and the Egypt, uh, magicians identified just about every spiritual miracle that Moses ever did. So there is another world going on, and, and sometimes, some of us only get caught up in, it, in, in, in one side of it. But look, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in miracles, and, and I'm old-fashioned pastor, man. I think the greatest miracle that ever transpires is when you hear God, and God reveals into your life, this is what I'd put on the top of my list, that you were lost, but now... You are saved because he revealed to you that you need Jesus. He revealed to you that you were lost. Nobody in this earth can do that but the Holy Spirit, which proves that there is a God in heaven. Now, I'm old-fashioned, but I also believe that Jesus walked on water, and Peter did too. Mike, you ever walked on water? No. I sink every time I get out of the boat. If you ever fed 15,000 people with two loaves and five fishes, nope. It cost us about $10,000 to feed 1,500 men in the wild game supper. I'd love to only take two pieces of bread and five fish and feed everybody. It'd be cheaper. I, I believe in the crossing of the Red Sea, and I believe it's on dry ground because that's what the Bible says. I just believe that Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus. And the Bible said he was dead because he began to stink. Now, when you stink and dead, you dead. I believe in interpreting dreams. And I believe you can dream dreams. But I ain't found too many like Joseph that could tell you what the dream was before he interpreted it. Only God could do that through a man. But Joseph had that gift. You know, there are just some gifts, though, I don't ever get to hear much about. Turn to Matthew 17, verse 24. Now, if you're a fisherman, this is going to be in your favor. But this happens to be a spiritual gift, or not a gift, but a miracle that took place in the Bible. It don't scare me one bit. It don't mess with my mind. At all. But, it, but I don't hear nobody putting it on the list. 
On their arrival in Capernaum, the tax collector for the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, doesn't your teacher Jesus pay the temple tax? That's a smart allegory response, wasn't it? Well, of course he does, Peter replied. Then he went into the house, talked to Jesus about it, and then Jesus said, Peter, get out of line. Get out of pole. Y'all ever heard that song? You get a line, I get a pole, honey. What's that for? He's going fishing. Here's what Jesus told Peter to do. You go down to the waterside, you throw a line in, and the first fish you catch, open his mouth and take the coin out. And pay your tax and mine. Now, if that ain't a miracle. But I'm, I got to thinking about that thing. And I said, boy, if I could get that gift. If I could get to doing that. I'd get me a new boat. Because I tell you what. My wife would beg me to go fishing. We need our house taxes paid for. We need our. We need our. We got all these taxes. that were. Woo! My wife would beg me to go fishing. If that was a miracle that happened all the time. (laughs) And then we all know about the miracle in the book of Acts because some of us erroneously build our spiritual gift resume on it by saying that if you and I are full of the Holy Ghost, I'm not saying anybody here, but I'm just saying if you believe this. It's, it's, it's left to be challenged that you and I, if we're filled with the Holy Ghost, then we'll be in salvation. We evidence that by Acts chapter 2, speaking in tongues. Is there anything wrong with speaking in tongues? No. But if you speak in tongues in public worship, this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, you had better be, there better be an interpreter, and I ain't going to allow that interpreter to be you. And if you speak in tongues out in public worship, and I've told this through the years, the different ones, it's not a threat, it's just biblical, that if you don't have an interpretation, then there should, you should be called out of order and just ask, sit down. Now, do I believe in spiritual tongues? Yeah. I don't believe it's vain repetition. I don't believe it's babbling. I don't believe it's, 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 a, it's a language. And when you take your Bible, even in, and look, you're bound by the same matter of interpretation that I am. When you take that Bible and you look into the Greek, it says the word in Acts, language, is, or tongues, is a language. A language which Peter preached, which, and, and Acts happened to be his, and multiple nationalities heard Jesus and was saved. Now, let me tell you something. I don't care what gift that you and I have, and we're going to see this in a minute. It's not for the purpose of glorifying us or tooting our own horn. If you're lifting up flesh, you're only going to get flesh back. If you're only going to, if if you've got to have a plaque because you give to God or you do something special, you got a spiritual problem. You just do. This servanthood is not about you, my brother. It's about Jesus. It's about us giving back to him. And if we're the real deal, then we're going to look at it like Jesus. And we're going to act like it. But you know, when it comes to tongues, and, and I've prayed for that gift for years. And, and, and God said, I ain't giving that to you. Okay. I'll tell it like Paul in Tennessee, hillbilly language. I don't know what a hillbilly would sound like in spiritual tongues, 
But, but I will say this. There are two things that I do not see of the same proof text that many of them use in Acts chapter 2 to make that, that we want to put on a list to understand, and that's the Russian mighty wind and cloven tongues of fire. I have, I, I've been in tongue-speeding meetings now, but I have never seen a Russian mighty wind show up or cloven tongues of fire. Anybody? Now, I've heard the, what they say, unknown, which is an improper interpretation. The word unknown is italicized in the King James Version. And what it means is that that is a known tongue. It is a known language. Just may not be known to you. And you don't teach that, nor do you learn that. If the Holy Spirit has given you that, fine. If not, then you just won't do it. There was a preacher who was being interviewed by a pulpit committee. And on this pulpit committee was an English teacher. She said, I want to make sure that our pastor is able to speak proper English. He said, oh, Lord, I was, and just like me, sometimes I'm sort of weak in my writing skills and in English. And so she said, preacher, if a hen lays an egg, Does that hen sit on it or set on it? He said, "Uh uh-oh. So he said, ma'am, it just really doesn't matter to me if she's sitting or setting. What I want to know is when she cackles, is she laying or is she lying? (laughs) Now, look, guys. Unfortunately, there are a lot of who profess to have a lot of stuff going on that I pay. It ain't up to me to determine whether they're telling the truth or not. But it's up to me to make sure I'm telling the truth. And I am mandated with the gift of prophets, uh, of a prophet to preach and to teach and to tell you what the Word of God says. And that is my only mandate other than to share, gospel, uh, share the gospel with you. And, and look, I've got a long list of things I'd like to God come in on and, and work it all out and explain it to me. But I got news for you. That ain't happened yet for me. And I've been here 27 years. And I pray every day, God, if I'm missing out on something, bring me in it, but I don't want to toot my own horn. This ain't a pride thing. This ain't about glory in the flesh. That'll only get you in trouble. Well, Jesus points out three things real quickly that you and I are to be careful about when it comes to doing good deeds before God publicly. One, when it comes to giving. He said, when, verse 2, when you give a gift to someone in need, don't shout it out as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogue and streets to call attention to your acts of charity, your acts of giving, your acts of love. So what, what he's saying is be careful when it comes to alms. Be careful when it comes to giving because you and I have no real, I mean, we shouldn't be all about righteous deeds Godly things and, and, and desire you to know about it, tell you about it. That's just not what it's all about. We know that we're supposed to give to the poor. First John 3, 17 says, But whosoever had this world's good seeth his brethren have, have a need, and we shut up our bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in us? The, the love of God is only in us when we in our Christian love is willing to open our checkbooks and willing to open our 
our, our pocketbooks and help people that are really in need. Now, that doesn't mean we're to be enablers. It just means we ought to help people who are really in need. And, and I think, for the most part, we do that. Then verse 5 and 8, he talks about praying. He said, when you pray, enter into your closet. Now, this closet's not where you hang your shoes or hang your hat or hang your clothes. He's talking about a place you set aside, you designate, you, you dedicate where you and God get along. Look, God didn't say if you prayed. He said when you pray. He's expecting you and me as believers to pray and to, and to communicate with him and to pray and say, look, God, I, I, and have a lifeline with me and you. And if that lifeline's not going on, you're dead spiritually. You can't do this on your own. And then he mentioned in verse 16 to 18, he mentions uh, fasting. Some people say, what's fasting? It means to abstain from food to the point where you get beyond your physical needs and cravings and desires, and you slip over into those things where you and I are able to hear God. And then after we fasted, in which the Pharisees, they would fast, and then if they had to, they'd paint their face white, so it'd make it look like they'd been really struggling for God and mess their hair up and walk around looking sad all the time. Well, first of all, if you fast, you're supposed to keep your mouth shut. You ain't supposed to tell nobody about it, and that's not something you're supposed to brag about. You just go to God privately, do it privately, and, and, and then hear from God, my my wife said, I know of one time I fasted. I said, when was that? She said, when I met you. I said, well, why did you fast? She said, I want to make sure that I'm supposed to marry you. Well, that's a good way to do it. You and I need to make sure we hear God. It's the lifeline of all that we do. And then if God comes in on it, God will see to it that it's carried out and, uh, and taken care of. But then he talks about, I ain't given you one point to have of Jack. The holy activities, the hypocritical activities, and then, <clears throat> see, the hypocritical things are those things where you and I, we, we showboat everything. You know, we're strutting around. I know some of you take things on the stage wherever I, I wish you wouldn't do music and put it on Facebook because ain't nobody sounds worth a flip. But but Facebook has become a popular way where you dump your ideas. You dump your your life out there on Facebook. It, to me I, I love you to death, but you just one big dummy. And evidently everybody's addicted and hooked on what you doing in your life. I don't technically want that ever to happen. I, I know I get out there every once in a while. Some people take a picture, but hopefully it's with my grandkids or something like that, and, and that's fine. But, but some of the things that goes on out there on Facebook crazy, and, and I don't get it. <laughs> but be careful when it comes to your hypocritical and your selfishness Maybe you just want to see your own self out there, and that's the only way you can get out there in front of people. I don't know. It was like one wife. She explained that the reason she and her husband had managed to be happy for more than 20 years is because she and her husband were in love with the same man. 
her husband. And there are all kind of selfishness and self-centeredness. And, and we think sometimes, I believe, that we've got it. I mean, I've got it, and I've got the top of the list, and you need to follow it if you're going to be right with God. That's the last person I want to be around because they'd lead me in a hole. They'd lead you in a ditch. You better follow Jesus. You better follow the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of pretenders out there. There are a lot of religious uh, hocus-pocus going on, religious shows. I want to show you one. Turn to Acts 19. If you don't think this isn't serious, listen to this one. There were a team of Jews. Acts 19, verse 13. There were a team of Jews. Can't even speak. Jews who were traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried, and and they, they, they did this trying to use in the name of the Lord Jesus. The incantation they used was this. I command you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches, O demon, come out. The Bible goes on to say, and who Paul preaches. In other words, they were speaking on the behalf of Jesus, and they were speaking on the behalf of Paul, but they didn't have a clue what they were doing. Verse 14 says, the seven sons of Sceva, which were sons of a leading priest, were doing this, but when they tried it on a man truly possessed with an evil spirit, The spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you seven imposters? Now, that ain't the bad side of this. And 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 sometimes people say, well, you're preaching fear. No, I ain't preaching fear. I'm preaching fact. It's right here. And this is not a book of fear. This is a book of faith. But it's also a book of warning. If you go fooling around with stuff you don't have any clue with, look at look here what happened. The Bible says the demons leaped on them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and badly injured. That is a major encounter. You know, it's almost like they got thrown in the dryer on the spin cycle or something. Demons are real. Jesus is real. What's tough is when you and I cannot discern when Jesus is going on and when evil activity is going on. That's sad. But that's, that's, that's 99% of the churches today. You don't know how. Now, I'm not talking about Jesus being anything other than, you know, he doesn't want us to be telling everybody, reading palms and telling everybody. No, we're not medians. We're actually discouraged to stay away from that big time. But understand this. Satan, he don't mess around. Now, if you are, if you're standing up for Jesus, 
and you're making a difference in eternity, and you're coming against hell, he's going to show up with you. He may not, but he'll send one of his closest compadres. You see, we too are assigned angels. We are. And some of your angels have got to be some weird dudes. My angel's weird. To hang around me, he got to be weird. When you get to heaven, you know what you're going to find out? That your angel kept you out of a lot of stuff. Protected you from a lot of disaster that you had have no clue that you, that you were going to or possibly go through. Now, we have the Holy Spirit. And we have the ability to have a godly conscience in our lives and, and to see things for the way they really are if we want to see it. But understand, we are so important to his cause because sometimes when people can't see the genuineness of Jesus in us and all they see is worldly conflict and all they see is flesh and all they see is everything that's anti-Christ, that's not good. You see, we're followers of Christ, but we're not only supposed to be followers of Christ, we're supposed to be influencers for Christ. And we can't influence people that don't believe in us. We can't influence people that can't trust us. We can't influence anybody if, if we're running folks in an opposite direction. And I'm not saying be liberal or I'm not saying, but listen, we get involved. We can. We can get involved in some, some stuff that ain't right. You know, pretty much everything that I've ever heard anybody list or talk about outside of is normally Googled, and you can go on the Internet. You know what I've learned about the Internet? Don't believe everything you read. Don't do that. If you think that's the gospel truth, I can only give you one thing that's truth, and it's right here. And whatever I hear or I read, I go right here and try to find the answers. And if it ain't there, you better leave it alone. Because Satan loves to be promoted. He loves for you and I to lift him up. He loves to get the credit for some. So I ain't giving him credit where credit's not due. Just not going to do it. I'm not going to get involved in everything that you go around getting involved in because I'm not mandated to. I'm not, I, I, I have to make sure that when I walk, I walk steady and I walk straight. And I can only walk steady and I can only walk straight if I'm following Jesus. And if I'm not where that place you want me to be, don't be mad at me. Just pray that I get there. But when I get there and I don't agree with you, I'm going to show you why I don't agree with you. Now, if you've got a problem with that, then you don't care anything about truth. You don't care anything about wisdom. You don't care anything about understanding. And you've got a spiritual problem. I ain't hearing nobody say amen. I still ain't heard nobody say amen. Being gullible sometimes gets you in trouble. A preacher called me one day and said, I need for you to come home. I need for you to take this woman in. First of all, when he said woman, I said, oh, Lord, that ain't going to work. So I called Cindy. 
I said, Cindy, this woman's on the streets in the parking lot sleeping in a car, and the preacher wants us. I don't know why he didn't do it, but he wanted us to keep So Joe and Josh were probably about five, six years old. They weren't, they weren't too old. <clears throat> so we did. And uh, I was framing on a house. We was putting rafters uh, and conyers over from the Gross Brothers, and we was deck, uh, getting, putting rafters, fixing deck this house. Here come my wife. She, she, she had eyes so big it spooked me. Looked like she'd seen a ghost. She said, get down off that house right now. I said, why? She said, you coming home now. I said, what do you mean? She said, you coming home. So I got in the car, and then she began to tell me what this woman was doing. And I go, well, what am I supposed to do? She said, I don't know. But this has got to change. My wife walked in the bathroom, and she was standing in front of the mirror, and she was combing her hair. I hate you. I hate you. I can't stand you. My wife run out of the house and come got me. And I didn't know no more to do with that than the man in the moon. I called that preacher back. I said, I've done all I can do. I said, we've fed that woman. We've talked to that woman. We've shared with her about Jesus. But there ain't nothing changing about this thing. And I'm no exorcist. And I said, we're coming to you. Figure out somebody else. I, it spooked me to no end. And my kids, I was afraid they were in jeopardy. And I didn't know. I, didn't, I still, I don't even know where that woman at today. Oh, Lord, I hope she ain't here. <laughs> if you are, I hope you're saved. You understand me? I said, Jesus. And that's one of the thousands of situations that my wife and I have been in. And that, was, that one was my house, except that one was my house. Is evil out here? Oh, yeah. Does evil want this church to thrive? Oh, no. What does Satan want a solid rock busted up? That's what he wants. He'd love for us just to fuss and fight over stupid stuff that don't amount to nothing. That's right. And it don't mean nothing. But let me tell you why I know that. How many churches have you walked on here lately that have a 10-year-old plus, Ed can tell me exactly, medical clinic, 20-year-old food ministry. We, we try to take care of people in, in, in many areas. We've got people who come here once a month, cut hair. I, hate, I don't even like to make this because y'all take advantage of her, but she, they, they cut hair here free. And there's just a lot of things we do on this campus, and we're fixing to advance in more ministries, counseling, and so forth. And let me ask you something. You think Satan's proud of that? You think he's happy all that's going on here? No, sir. He'd love to use me. He'd love to use somebody to stir up a hornet's nest and, and try to dampen what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. And let me say... You say, preacher, are you pointing at anything? No, I'm just telling you, when we got people in the house, we bring with us sometimes, it may not be in us, but it's on us, all kinds of stuff. And so all I'm asking you, does Solid Rock Baptist Church need revival like a pig needs slop? 
We need a spiritual renewal around here. Not in tangency, but toward the cross and, and our mind and heart toward the throne. We need to be brought back to why we were put here and why Jesus actually came. And not be led astray. Don't let someone lead you astray. I may not always say it right, but I won't intentionally do it wrong for your sake. I've intentionally done some things wrong on my behalf, and I've repented of them and walked from them. And you need to do the same. But lead you to the point to where I tell you wrong? uh -uh. Not know it. Some of you come in here and you got some real issues going on. Some of you came in here and you took your drink today. Come to, took a drink just to get to the church. Some of your own things you don't have any business being on. You're, you're entertaining things in your home that you don't have anything reason to entertain. And don't think Satan don't use objects. Don't think he doesn't use a lot of different things because he does. But don't let him use you. God doesn't want it, and Jesus won't lead toward it. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Father, I just pray.